All right, good afternoon, New Philly. Oh, actually, good afternoon, New Philly Hongdae. Oh, hello. Uh, it's a really exciting time for all of us. Um, as many of you guys know, we just uh, kind of changed our New Philly Hillside campus to New Philly Hongdae. And from a part of that congregation, we planted another community, New Philly Shilim. And so today we have all of our campuses kind of streaming in at the same time. You guys are here getting it live, but uh, New Philly Itaewon, New Philly Busan, New Philly Sydney, and now New Philly Shilim is also uh, with us via Ustream. So just turn to the camera and just say hi. Oh, there's one here. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys looking at? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's exciting because I see it truly as a sign of multiplication. Amen. And I know a little bit about multiplication because many of you may know that I am 20 weeks pregnant right now. Right here. Right here. And so there's a lot of awesome things that are going on in the church and also personally. And, you know, for many of you guys that know my story, that know that, you know, earlier in 2013, uh, where I experienced a miscarriage, to stand here today and say that I'm 20 weeks pregnant is truly, truly just such a gift from God. It's such a miracle. We're so thankful and super excited about it. You know, being pregnant is okay. Um, no, it's awesome, but I can't wait till I'm big. So people like give up their seats. Like nobody gives up their seats for me. You know, I can't wait till I'm just like, you know, right here in a crowded subway and be like, mm. uh, but for now, like nobody knows, I don't know, maybe I need to make it a little bit more obvious, but you know, I've been getting excited with baby things, you know, getting gifts, buying certain items. And one of the things that I did was I downloaded an app called baby center. Uh, and this app is actually, it's really cute. What it does is it tells you the development of your baby week by week. Okay. So, you know, you get a little alert, you know, and it's like, you know, your baby is 12 weeks old. And it's like, oh, yay, <laughs> 12 weeks. And your baby is the size of a lime. Oh, <laughs> every week it's compared to a fruit. So, I mean, it's amazing how many fruits we have in this world, but you know, week 12, your baby's the size of a lime. And, and in this week, your baby will learn how to uh, close their fingers and open their fingers. Cute, right? And they learn in week 12 how to curl their toes. <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you get another one, you know, week, whatever. And like your baby now knows how to excrete urine. You're like, oh, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but it's cute. You get all these cool developmental um, updates. Week 12 also, basically their nerve cells are rapidly increasing. And that's when a lot of their brain development begins to seriously begin to happen. Um, week 19, I got an, a little alert that says, your baby is the size of an heirloom tomato. And I was like, what the heck's an heirloom tomato? <laughs> like some of the fruit I had to look up. I was like, what's the difference between a regular tomato? But an heirloom tomato and their sensory development is exploding. His or her brain is designating specialized areas for smell, taste, hearing, vision, and touch. And some research suggests that your baby may be able to hear your voice now. So my baby's hearing all of you. So that's really cool. You get these updates. And one thing that I've been kind of realizing as I'm getting these cute updates from Baby Center is, oh, my gosh, God, you're an incredible creator. Just reading all these little developments, I'm in awe. And I can't help but to remember what it says in Psalm 139, where God talks about how he formed us in our inward parts. In he, what? he formed us in our mother's womb, and wonderfully and fearfully were we made. 
It's just so cool. He knitted us together. That's what scripture says. I think the description is he knitted us together in our mother's womb. And even as I get these little updates, I'm like, wow, God, you're incredible. The way that you created each and every single human being is just amazing. And really amazing to me is just the brain. Everybody say the brain. Now, you know, you guys all know that brain is pretty much like the control center of your body, your emotions, your thoughts. But as I'm getting these little, you know, alerts that my baby can now figure out, you know, senses and touch and smell and all these things, it's, it's incredible what our brain is actually capable of. And, you know, my whole life, I've always been interested in people and behavior of people. So in terms of school, I excelled in things like English or history. I couldn't stand things like physics and math. Because to me, math has no people connection. I'm like, what the heck do these numbers mean to me? You know, but history is about people and what people do. And English is about, you know, what people do and what people do, you know, and what people think and what people write about. And so I've always been interested in those kind of topics. And so the brain has always fascinated me in terms of how we think, how we think. Um, the way that we uh, operate, the way that we behave. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the brain today in particular. You know, one thing that I want to mention is that God created us. He created our brains to process and organize lots of information. Okay. And he's given us this incredible ability to actually retain a lot of information. This is actually really cool. I don't know if you guys realize this, but the capacity of our long-term memory, um, some researchers say that it's actually unlimited. Meaning what you can store in your long-term memory is pretty much unlimited. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, they say that it's um, not only unlimited in terms of storage space, but also we can uh, carry it for the duration of our lifetime. Now, some of you guys, as soon as you hear that, you don't believe me because you think about your college classes and you're like, I don't remember a thing. You think about your third grade teacher, you can't remember her name. You know, you think about your classmate from even a semester ago and it's hard to remember what they look like. We look around and we think there's so many areas where we feel like we forget. How is it possible we have this amazing capability to retain information? And I'm telling you, you can and you do. The problem is... When we retain information that's not thought through, processed, or organized, we lose the ability to access it again. So it's locked up in your brain somewhere. All that information that I mentioned is in your brain somewhere, but you have no idea how to retrieve it. Sad, huh? Paid all that money for school. (laughs) I really, I think about it. I'm like, I don't know what I learned. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, actually the concept of forgetting I heard is actually a myth. We don't forget. We don't forget so many of the things, um, that we have that's as soon as it goes into long-term memory, it's there. Uh, when we go through the process of remembering things, it's just, um, it's kind of like a cool thing. We don't actually put everything into long-term memory. It's like this in this room, you guys are getting bombarded with sensory input. You have, you know, awesome me to look at, obviously my, you know, flamingo shirt, you know, there's a lot of things to be staring at here. You can think about the sense of the temperature. You can be thinking about how close you are proximity to your neighbor. You can be thinking about things you need to get done, you know, later on, there's a lot of different input that's going on in your mind right now. But as all of this is going in, what we do is we tend to pay attention or focus on what we consider to be relevant or important. For some of you, your neighbor is actually more important than what I'm saying that needs to change. Okay. 
For others, what you need to get done is more important than this message that also needs to change. But what we consider important or relevant, that's what we focus on. And everything else, even though it's coming in, we tend to throw away. We just, it's going in, we discard. Going in, disregard. So what we retain is actually very intentional. You know, it's kind of like this. When you're driving, there's a lot of sensory input that's happening. But if you're a good driver, you're paying attention to the traffic lights. You're paying attention to the car in front of you. Uh, and everything else kind of kind of goes down. The buildings, you're not really paying that much attention. The conversation that's going on in the back of your car, you're not really paying attention to. If you're a good driver, you've put your phone down. You're not texting somebody or, you know, commenting on someone's Facebook post while you're driving because that's dangerous. <laughs> I mean, I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm just saying some people do that stuff. Um, but when we, when we drive, most, so many things are grabbing our, our attention and our attention is actually quite limited. The energy that we have to focus is limited. And so we have to choose and we have to be intentional. What are we giving our focus? What are we giving our energy to. So God actually created us to do that. He's created us to be selective. He's created us to be selective in what we focus on. And he's created us to disregard everything else. That's actually very cool. That's very cool. I think when I think about the brain and the way that God constructed the brain, I think that there's a lot of principles, even biblical principles that God put in place in order for us to pay attention you know, the way that he created the world, the way that he created our bodies, all of that is for the glory of God. And unlike animals and trees, guess what? You and I, we were made in his image. And so the way that we were specifically created, we should really pay close attention to. So we have this ability to focus, to retain, and also to discard, to discard. I think that's really important. The term that most psychologists use is called information processing. Everybody say information processing. processing. So I want you guys to turn with me to Philippians chapter four, and we're going to be looking at verses four to nine. Uh, Philippians chapter four, verses four to nine. I have the ESV, but you guys can feel free to read from whatever version of the Bible you brought with you today. Um, And let's just read it all together, starting from four. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to be reading verses eight again. So I just want you to listen or read along. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, I believe that Apostle Paul here, he's writing to the church of Philippi, but I believe through his voice, God is speaking to you and I today. 
What God is saying is be selective in your thoughts. And he gives us a guideline of what we should be paying attention to. Like I said earlier, we're constantly taking information and we're discarding others. Yet the problem is instead of focusing on what's true, what's honorable, what's just, we tend to have the behavior pattern of choosing to focus and paying attention to what's annoying, what's frustrating, what you can't stand, what's making you angry, You know, we have limited capacity to engage, to focus. Unlimited capacity to retain, but limited capacity to focus. And my question to you is, in your daily life, what are you focusing on? What are you choosing to be selective about in your thoughts? Here, scripture commends us, exhorts us, hey, these are the things I want you to pay attention to. Pay attention to such things. And I think it's actually beautiful because, look, one of my favorite verses is this, Proverbs 3, uh, 5, 6. It's like a a very special verse to me. And I I memorize it in NIV, so I'm just going to say it in NIV version. But trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will keep your path straight. See, my understanding is to acknowledge God is to pay attention to what Apostle Paul just said. When you focus and you pay attention to what's true and what's honorable and what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's excellent, what's praiseworthy, you're acknowledging God. Why? Because those descriptive words describe who God is. How aware are you of God's presence in your daily lives? You know, I can ask you guys about yesterday. Yes, how was yesterday? And some of you, you haven't even, um, I don't know, it was good. Okay. Well, what did God do yesterday? I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I guess I prayed and I read my Bible. You know, for so many of us, we only acknowledge God during our devotional time. And the rest of the day, we just give way to whatever thought comes through our mind or whatever senses, you know, appeals to us. We have no control or no intentionality. And I believe that that needs to change today. See, God wants us to be a people that knows how to acknowledge him. You see, that's faith. Faith isn't just seeing God move with his hand. Faith is being able to see God in all situations. You know, our problem is we use faith as this currency. You know, and I've even preached this message. Faith is the currency of heaven. It's true. Heaven is not moved by need. It's moved by faith. But we think that's the only aspect of faith. No, the more holistic thing to say is faith is what enables us to see God. That means even before your breakthrough comes, even before your healing happens, even before you get breakthrough in your family, are you able to see God today? Can you see God in your situation? Can you acknowledge that God is with you? If you're able to do so, you are operating in faith. And there's one thing that pleases God and it's faith alone. So how well are we acknowledging God? You know, some of us are really good when we have these, you know, oh, retreat. Yeah, God, you're awesome. You're surrounded by 400 other people worshiping. God, you're here. And then we go to our daily lives. Sometimes what feels mundane and ordinary or boring, and we completely don't know how to acknowledge God in that place. And so you have believers that have these roller coaster emotions and roller coaster Christian lives because they have not learned how to consistently acknowledge God day by day. This is a sign of a mature believer. And this is a sign that I believe, this is something that I believe God is calling you and I to today, to acknowledge God consistently, daily, not just when you have these epic events and epic breakthroughs, but even in the mundane, 
Even when nothing is going your way, even in the middle of the storm, can you say, God, I see you. God, I know that you're with me. That's faith. That pleases God. It's so important to acknowledge God. Why? Because when we acknowledge him, we're connected to him. The problem is we don't acknowledge God enough. And what happens is our days pass, our weeks pass, our months pass. And when it's time to think back on, on the year 2014, you really have nothing to say. Why? Because you haven't spent a moment acknowledging God. And what happens is you feel like you feel disconnected. Man, God, where have you been? God, where are you? We look to signs of just answered prayers as points of acknowledging God. We got to change that. We got to change that. Answered prayers can't be our pillars of acknowledging God. If it is, then our life is subject to circumstance. Always. We'll be prisoners of our circumstances. It's only when we get breakthrough we can acknowledge God. That's the same thing as almost a non-believer. When something good happens, everything's great. But it's a believer that has the capacity of even when things are going terribly wrong, they can rejoice. Even when things are terribly difficult, we can still sing praises to our God. Why? Because we're aware of his presence. He's here with us all the time. But do you recognize him? Are you acknowledging him? Are you using your limited capacity of focus to pay attention to him? Or are you using that energy to pay attention to other things? So today I want to talk about acknowledging God, but I want to talk about one specific way we can acknowledge God. There's many ways, you know, being fully present. That's a message that Pastor Christian preached uh, a, couple, a while ago, which I think is a great message. But I want to talk about not just acknowledging God in the presence. I want to talk about acknowledging God through reflection. Everybody say reflection. I believe that this is such an important way to understand and read what God is trying to show us and teach us. Okay. You know, our church, we have this, you know, you'll hear, the more you go to New Philly, the more you hear, you hear uh, New Philly lingo or New Philly jargon or New Philly whatever. Just things that New Philly people say. Um, I can't even think of any right now, but one thing that I hear a lot, and I'm not sure if this is just for our church um, or other people, but I, I, I only heard this since coming to our church. And it's this, oh, I'm, I'm still processing things. Okay, uh, so how was your missions trip? Oh, I'm still processing. So how was, how was the retreat? Oh, I'm still, pro- I'm just processing. I'm, I'm still in the middle of processing things. It's always about process. I haven't processed yet and processed. And sometimes I just get so annoyed. I'm like, do you even know what you're saying? Do you even know what you're processing? Do you even know what you're supposed to do when you're processed? Like, what the heck are you processing? I'm going to preach about that today because I do think process is important, but I do feel like many of you guys don't know what the heck you're doing. So we're going to learn today. Amen. Amen. Here's my definition of reflection. This is my personal definition. This is not Webster's this is not, you know, whatever. This is Dr. Aaron Lee's version, <laughs> Aaron Lee's version of reflection. The way that I'm going to define it today is this, the process of identifying and organizing our thoughts and emotions from past events and submitting them to Christ. I'll say it again. The process of identifying and organizing our thoughts, our emotions from past events and submitting them to Christ. This is what I want to call reflection. And I believe when you properly reflect, you'll be able to acknowledge God more than you ever have before. Now, the purpose of reflection 
is this, this really wordy. I try to, I don't know here. I'm going to give you a wordy version, a very simple version. So just wait for the simple one. The wordy version is this. The purpose is to gain and to remember insight, revelation of both the works of God and the character of God. That's what happens when you reflect, you gain insight, you gain revelation of what God has done and also who he is. Another purpose of reflection is you identify and you remove the desires of your flesh and the works of the enemy. That's also part of processing. In simplistic terms, this is what happens when you reflect. You reap what's true, you let go of what's not. That's reflection. You reap what's true, you let go of what's not. You know, our body is an incredible thing. And if you think about our digestive system, this is what our digestive system does. We eat food and it goes through our body. And listen, I don't know all the terms, but this is what happens. Your body identifies what's nutrients, what's considered beneficial for your body and absorbs those things. And then your body also identifies what's not so good. And hopefully that stuff makes its way out. So it's a process, but both of absorption and letting go of retaining and getting rid of this is similar to spiritual reflection. We got to understand what to absorb. This is good for me. This is true. Let me take hold of this. And we have to recognize, no, this is a lie. This is not true. I got to let go of that. When we don't spend time reflecting, even on our daily lives, we have spiritual constipation. And listen, I'm pregnant, so I know a lot about constipation, and it's rough. It's just uncomfortable. It's, it's really bad. It's really bad. But anyway, the thing with constipation is that you're unable to get rid of what you need to get rid of. You know, when you, when you allow these things that are not beneficial to your body to stay in your body, it acts almost as if it's, it's almost poisonous. It does damage to your body rather than benefiting it. It's the same thing when we don't reflect on our day and we don't realize, oh man, I've, I'm offended today. I'm, I got bitter. I got angry at so-and-so you don't recognize that. And then you don't deal with it. That anger, that bitterness, that unforgiveness remains And it slowly begins to eat you away. And you have no idea because you haven't paid attention because you haven't taken the time to reflect. Reflection, it's so important. The process. Gosh, I really hope. Anyway, don't don't say that all the time. It's very annoying. Okay, I'm reflecting. (laughs) I'm reflecting. So why is reflection important? Other than the purposes I just stated. Listen, when we don't get in the habit of acknowledging God through reflection, we miss a harvest of insights, a harvest of revelation, even blessings. If we don't just take the time to do it. See, we're about to go and send so many mission teams out on the field. And I'm really excited about winter missions. And I've been on numerous missions trips myself. And one of the most important things about mission trips while you're there on the field is something we call debriefing. And what we do is at the end of the day, after a day of just ministering, after a day of meeting pastors, playing with children, ministering to sick people, you know, usually the team will gather in a circle and we'll sit and everyone will begin to share some of the things that they recognize that God was doing throughout the day. And as you sit there, I I can't tell you how many times I've been amazed. Wow, God, you did a lot today. (laughs) 
In my limited capacity, if I, if I didn't take time to actually sit here and share, if I didn't take time to listen to what other people had to share about, I could have missed this. I could have missed that testimony. I could have missed that breakthrough. It would have just been, oh yeah, today was great. But I wouldn't have been able to reap some of the very testimonies that God wants me to store up long-term to be the basis of encouraging someone in the future. It's so important during missions to be debriefing in that same concept, that same way. It's important for us to constantly be reflecting. When we reflect on our days, when we reflect on our weeks, we're able to reap the benefit. Oh, God, you were there. Wow, God, I didn't notice this while I was going through it. But now looking at it, I see that you're actually working through my family. Maybe not in the way that I thought, but here's how you're moving. Now I see it. You're taking a time to reflect, to see, and you reap an incredible harvest. Another reason why reflection is so important is it's not just about what you observe. It's about what you retain. This is God's heart. It's not about you recognizing throughout the day, oh, God, you're good. Yay, God, great. It's about what about your day? What about what God has done? Are you actually storing up in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit? What are you storing up? What are you retaining? Because observing that God is good today is not going to help you tomorrow when things get tough. But when you put something in the storehouse of your mind, when you put something in the storehouse of this testimony belongs in this drawer, and when I'm having a tough day, I have access to this bad boy, and I can pull it out and remember that God was for me when I was struggling. Now that, that's powerful. Now that's ammunition against the enemy's works. That's power. It's about what you're retaining. It's the same thing with class. When you sit through a lecture, honestly, how much are you retaining? Not much, right? Because if we retained everything we needed to, if we sat in a lecture, you could take the test that day and ace it. But normally what happens, you have to go home, you have to open up your books, you have to open up your notes, and you have to restudy what you learned in the classroom, don't you? You have to review, you have to mark up your paper, you have to highlight, you have to pay attention, and then can you pass the test? In that same way, what we reap, what we're able to reap from our everyday lives, we have to take the time to do so. It's not just about living through it or just about being fully present. It's also about reflection. Everybody say reflection. The issue is if we leave things unprocessed, whether we realize it or not, they go into our long-term memory. We are processing. So many things we process unconsciously. And what happens is we begin to store in truths to us that are actually not true. You go through a hard day and you went through some, you know, conflict with your girlfriends. And you don't deal with that. You don't think about it. You just, you know, you have exams. So you're just going to press through and go throughout your day. And you don't realize that that experience is actually creating a paradigm in your mind. I can't trust girls. I can't trust them because they will backstab you. They will gossip about you. You draw conclusions unconsciously. And if you don't pay attention and if you don't submit those conclusions to Christ, you have a whole load of what's untrue in your mind going on, framing your future days. You know, I grew up in, in an area. I mean, I was going to say urban Philly. No, I didn't grow up in urban Philly. I grew up in Long Island, New York in the suburbs proud of the suburbs with picket fences and, you know, backyards and things like that. And, uh, when I went, when, when I was in middle school, I just recognized that girls didn't like me. So I know, right. It's like, what? 
is that possible? <sighs> but I had this experience, seriously, growing up where I was always hated on by girls. I had a select group of girlfriends that I was very close to. They were like my ride or die homies. But then I had a bunch of girls that like could not stand me. And you know, it's not just perception. I'm talking about people that would talk smack and people that would gossip, people that would try to pick fights, whatever, whatever. And you know, I wasn't that squeaky clean. I was a hater myself. I was a hater. You know, and I hated a lot of girls also. Uh, but without realizing it, I, I had this stigma where I can't trust females. Like that example earlier is like a, it, it was a true statement for me. Like females are dangerous, <laughs> dangerous. They are deceiving. They are two-faced. You know, they cannot be trusted. I, and so I made a lot of friends with guys. Like I just felt more comfortable, comfortable. I felt more safe. Um, I felt more appreciated. And so I just had a lot of guy friends and I never had a lot of girlfriends. And I, and I realized that those experiences left un, unprocessed or not reflected on, not submitted to Christ, framed, framed my high school years. What happened middle school framed high school, then framed college. You know what I'm saying? So even though we don't consciously try to process lies, we do if we don't take, if we don't pay attention, if we're not actually reflecting and submitting our experiences to Christ, some of those things that the devil's trying to throw in there will become our paradigm. It will become our framework. It'll become our truths. It's so important. Another reason why reflection is important is it's order. Everybody say order. order. You know, I was cleaning my desk the other day and I was so surprised at the things I found. And I was like, oh, Sinead, yes, money, you know, or like, oh, I didn't even know I had tape in this jar. Like I was just like finding all these things, but had, had I needed money or tape like a week ago, I would have no idea where to look. Like I just wouldn't have access. It was there the whole time, but because my desk wasn't in order, I had no access to it. In that same way, when we leave things unprocessed, when we don't reflect, what happens is we don't put our thoughts, our emotions in order. We don't have proper access to them. So when it's time to look for an encouragement, you know, when it's time to look for a certain testimony, when it's time that, oh man, it would really help me out if I, you know, was able to get a revelation of God's goodness right now. You have it all in your storage, but because everything's a mess, you can't find it. You have no access but when things are reflected, when things are processed, you, you can easily obtain it. And even for myself, the way that I love to reflect is I journal. And when I journal, as soon as I write it down, I just feel like it's, it's written on my heart. And I'm able to clearly communicate amazing testimonies of what God has done or even struggles that I had to go through because I wrote it down. I have access to it. So when someone comes to me and they're like, you know, PE, I'm just, I'm just struggling because I just, I can't trust girls. I'm thinking, hold up a second, Brrr, you know, I'm just opening a file, A, B, C, and I, I have access to my stories. I have access to my reflections, my breakthroughs to present to someone else because it's been ordered. It's been ordered. So it's about accessibility as well. Okay. Here's what reflection isn't. This is key. It's not time to vent. Some of you guys do journal. And if I read your journal, you'll be hecka embarrassed right now. Because your journal would just be like, woe is me. Why doesn't he like me? I wish he was my husband. You know, just complaining. 
dwelling. You know, part of reflection is identifying emotions. I was angry today. This is, you know, as a child that develops, this is part of development. When a child knows how to say, I feel angry, that's like, good job. Good job. That's important. That's a skill that we all have to learn. Unfortunately, some of us are stunted in this area and we don't know what we're feeling. And what do you feel? How do you feel about that? I don't know. And it's not because they want to engage. They actually don't know what they feel about that situation because they haven't sat and thought about it. Right? So here, when you begin to all of a sudden access emotions, actually, now that I think about it, that annoyed me. When I think about it, that was offensive. I can't believe he said that. It passed, you know, your head at the moment, but now that you're thinking about it, you're like, you know what? That was, that was rude. That was mean. And what happens is most of us in our processing, we just dwell there. And then we take hours and hours of processing why it was terrible. You know, 50 reasons why I was offended by Bob, you know, and you just list it and then you, you know, whatever, like you just go into details and, and we spend so much time, so much mental energy, so much of our attention to what the devil is doing that we're completely oblivious to the grace that we have access to. When you identify the emotion of anger, I'm angry because I'm offended. Now you have access to the grace of God. I'm angry and now I'm offended. But God, through your grace, through faith, I have the capability. I have the authority to forgive this person and let this poison out of my system. I don't want to carry this. I don't want to walk around with this offense. I don't want to wait two weeks till I'm able to forgive this person and let it go. No, be quick about forgiveness. Be quick about accessing God's grace. You know, my husband, Pastor Christian, he mentions a couple of times my um, awesome habit of leaving food in the fridge. Uh, and when we find it, it's like unidentifiable. <laughs> it's got like layers and layers and layers of mold. You know, it's a skill that I have. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not proud of it, but I'm really good at it. Uh, But this is what happens when we don't tend to certain things. It just rots inside of us. When we're not careful with throwing out what needs to get thrown out, we just get mold in our hearts. We get straight up fungus, layers of unidentified. And soon you're like, I don't know why I'm angry. You don't even know why you're angry. You can't even identify the situation because it's been like 15 years since you've been holding on to this. And you now realize, no, we got to be quick. We got to be quick. The more we get in the habit of reflection, the quicker we are to removing what needs to be extracted. It's access to God's grace. And you know what? Let me tell you something. Reflection is not designed to take forever. You know that, oh, I'm still processing. Stop processing. Just deal with it. I'm processed that I'm angry. Okay, you're angry. Let's deal with that. Confront it. Why are you angry? Now let it go. But I don't feel like I can let it go. I'm still angry. Yeah, I know. I get it. You're angry. We went over that. But it's only when you choose to forgive, then the grace of God comes. And soon that anger will diminish. Our problem is we wait till our natural ability to release anger. And then we let go. That makes no sense. You guys have to understand that forgiveness is a supernatural thing. It can't be handled in a natural way. But that's what we're constantly doing. We have to access the power of God's grace. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to lay down. And the emotions, your thoughts will follow. Will follow. May take some time, but it will follow. Now, I'm not saying that everything should be processed within a day. There are some things that we go through that take time. 
There are some things that are heavy. There are some things that are traumatic. There are, some, there are things that are really difficult. And I don't want to, you know, just tell, oh, get over it, you know, just be quick. No, I'm, what I'm trying to say is even those heavy topics, I want you to always frame your life. God, how can I acknowledge you? I'm going through this deep thing right now. I'm, it's really hard. I can't, I can't seem to get over it in just one journal entry. It's really tough, but help me to see. Make my commitment to be able to acknowledge you even through this time. That's faith. Help me to choose to forgive even if I can't right now, even if I feel like it's impossible. Help me to make my commitment forgiveness. Help me to make that my desire. Give me that grace, Lord. When you begin to submit these things to the gospel, you will begin to access such a supernatural capacity to let go of things you've been holding on to for years. It's not about feelings. It's about obedience. God gives grace to those who obey. Forgiveness is obedience. Sometimes letting go is also obedience. So even in the heavy issues, even the things that are not light, are not simple, are not just a joke about the way your hair looks, you know, or, you know, this or that, not, not simple things, but deep things. Even in the midst of that, God is still saying to you, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. I'm still in that situation. So we went over what reflection is and what it's not and why it's important. But now it's like, how do you actually do reflection? It's about processing information, just like I mentioned earlier in my message. And all of us are created to be quite different. We all have different temperaments. And there are some of us that are external processors and internal processors. And, you know, a general definition of an external processor is someone who, who likes to um, process by talking with someone. So I can sit my friend Pastor Myungwa down here, and I just go at it. I just begin to share. And not everything I say is true. And not everything I say is actually what I feel. I just need to say it in order to begin to organize things. You know what I mean? I'm just blah, blah, blah. And then as I'm talking, all of a sudden, you're making connections. Oh, wow. As I'm speaking, I'm realizing this. And as I'm sharing, I'm realizing this. And now that I said that 30-minute spiel, I see that God was in this. As external processors, they function in the way where they speak, and then things get organized. Internal processors go through something similar, but in their own mind. They just go someplace where there's no distraction. They go uh, a place where it's nice and secluded, and they just think through. They think through things. They just begin to think out ideas, and then they begin to connect. They begin to organize they begin to filter internal, external. And some of us are hybrids of both. I consider myself a hybrid. I like to do a little bit of me time, and then I like to do a little bit of talk time. But my favorite, favorite way, and this is a way that I want to share with you today, is journaling. Journaling. If you are not a habitual journaler, is that, is that right? Does that even make sense? Okay, nice. If you are not a habitual, if you don't habitually journal... That's better. Um, I want to suggest you try. Suggest you try. The reason is this, is because whether you externally process or internally process, it's not recorded. But there's something that happens when you write it down that helps solidify something in your heart. I think we're too busy getting tattoos of Bible verses on our body and not enough in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? If it's in your heart, you don't need to be looking at, you know, the back of your holder. What does that say again? 
If you have a Bible verse tattooed, it's okay. I love you. All is well. I'm just saying, tattoo it on your hearts. You know, that's what King Solomon advised his, you know, son in Proverbs is write it down on the tablet of your heart. My instructions, my words. There's something about physically writing it down on a piece of paper that helps write it down on your heart. That's why I like journaling. Not only that, I have record of it. So sometimes I just like to go back and just read journal entries and it's awesome. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing, but awesome. And you are just reminded of where you were like mentally, (laughs) emotionally, but also what God has done. You're reminded you have that access to it. So I want to suggest that you guys journal, you know, the way I'm just going to share a little bit about the way I reflect and you guys can totally tailor make it to what suits you. Uh, but generally I like to journal just once a week. The problem is if journaling every day, I haven't mastered that discipline. Uh, it would be good if I journaled every day, but I think I have too much, I would have too much to write and too much to say. So I just prefer to keep it to a week and organize things by weekly basis. And in my journaling, what I do is I ask myself questions. I don't just journal. I don't recall events. Oh, Monday, I woke up at eight. I ate a banana. God was with me. You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the record of, you know, whatever you did. I'm talking about being able to extract, you know, uh, things that God was saying to you, being able to d- extract, you know, emotions that you were feeling that, you know, are not of the Lord. So what I do is I tend to ask myself certain questions like, okay, this week, what did I do? Okay. I visited Christian's family in Tegu, you know, for Chuseok. That's an event. So in that, when I look at that event, I think, okay, how can I now process this? What do I feel like God was doing? What was difficult for me during that time? What was I having trouble having faith for? And what was easy for me to believe? I just start asking myself certain questions and I respond to it. You know, if you look at people who study well, people who know how to retain information with school, this is what they do. They look at their own textbooks and notes and they create their own test questions. I think if I was someone that's going to write this test, this is what would be on it. They write their own test questions and then they answer it. And then that's what they study. So it's similar. You write your own questions. You write what you think is important. You pry and you try to examine things that you think would be very um, useful or things that you think God is trying to show you. And through those questions, you just write. Not only that, but I do headers. I have subject headers. Like I separate, I categorize. The more organized you learn how to be, the easier it is for you to remember. If your journal entries are just blah, 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 like for five pages, it's very hard for you. Now you got to reflect on your journal entry. You know what I mean? Now you got to look back and then now you got to, you know, extract from your journal entry, like what's true and what's not true. You know, if that's the way that you do things, that's fine, but make sure you take that additional step. Okay. But your journal entry, you should be able to summarize it. Some people give unprocessed emails to myself, you know, Oh, let me just share with P what's on my heart. Blah, 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 blah. It's like 20 pages to them. It makes perfect sense to me. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? I don't understand what's going on. There's, there's no train of thought. Like everything's all over the place. Like if you can't summarize it and put bullet points, you, you haven't processed it yet. You do not know what you're talking about. So before you send an email to your lovely pastor, think about that for a second. All right. (laughs) Read it. Does this make sense? Can I summarize this in a sentence and not 20 pages? You know, I'm just saying that will help you as much as it will help me. I'm doing it all for you. It's all for you guys. (laughs) 
But organizing it as much as possible is key. And lastly, not only um, journaling, asking yourself questions, trying to organize. The third is share. There's something about sharing. Even if you're an internal processor, that's okay. But there's an aspect of testifying to someone, this is what I've been going through this week. And this is how I've been able to acknowledge God through it. That really solidifies your testimony. It just brings it to a whole nother level. And not only are you blessed, but now someone else is blessed because of your reflection. That's amazing. Do you know that God blesses you not just to bless you, but to bless you and bless others through you? So when you get in the habit of acknowledging God, paying attention, wow, God, you were in this situation. I didn't realize it while this was happening, but now reflecting, I can extract that from that memory. And now I can share it with somebody else that you were with us that you were with me, that you had broken through for me in that way. See, God is not wanting us to just reflect during retreats, during high points, during supernatural events, during mission trips. Every single day, he wants us to reap. Every single day, he's provided a harvest of blessings. Every single day, he's trying to reveal himself to you and I. The question is, are we paying attention? Are we acknowledging him? Even in your struggle, you can access grace and give joy, rejoice, joy. Even in your struggle, you can access grace and give joy. Even when you're going through something tough, you can say to yourself, God, but I acknowledge that you are bigger than this situation. And therefore, I can't help but to rejoice. God, I acknowledge that you're bigger than this addiction that I'm facing, that I'm dealing with. I have so much temptation to feel let down or feel like I'm struggling or feel bad about myself, but I'm going to acknowledge you even in the midst of my sin. And I'm going to access the grace of your forgiveness, of your goodness. When you understand this, it doesn't matter what kind of day you went through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You're going to be able to carry such a pure faith that you'll be able to see God. Through all of these situations. God's grace abounds when things go well and even when things don't. His grace is for you. But are you acknowledging it? Are you acknowledging it? This is my challenge to you guys today that we really look upon Philippians chapter 4, specifically verse 8, and we carry that. God, help me to be someone that's constantly thinking about what's true, what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely, what's praiseworthy, what's excellent. Help me to stop paying attention to the things that are not what I just mentioned. My limited energy, not on, on the things that are, are going wrong, but the things in which you are moving in. I'll end with this. It's not denial. I'm not talking about the glass is half full versus the glass is half empty. Empty. It's not just about perspective. It's not about just changing the way you see things. Oh, let me be positive all the time. It's not about just going through your day and, oh, let me think about rainbows and butterflies and, and things that make me happy. That way I can think about happy thoughts. No, I'm talking about facing what you're going through, but acknowledging God through it. When you do so, you're not in denial. You're accessing grace. You're able to take supernatural grace from God to move on, to persevere, to go forward, to believe, even when nothing around you says that it's going to work out. To stand firm. This is not positive thinking. This is accessing the gospel message on a daily basis. 
my challenge to you guys is let's reflect. Whether weekly, daily, share with someone, talk with someone, write something just small down on your journal. God, I just recognize that you are with me in this. Let's be experts at acknowledging him every single day. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and I'll pray. Father, we thank you that you are so specific in the ways that you created us. And Lord, even the way that you've designed our brains to function or even our digestive system to function, you designed it in a way where we're called to absorb and retain what's good and to get rid of what's bad. And Lord, we pray, Father, that as we go through our daily lives, rather than being disconnected from you and so caught up in what's mundane, that we would be made aware of your presence in all things. Help us to be experts at recognizing you, seeing you, no matter what the situation. And we pray, Father, that even if the situation has passed, that we learn the gift of reflection. That we'll be able to store in our mental storehouses, in our spirit storehouses, the incredible stories that you're writing for us at this very moment. Make us more aware of your presence. Cause us to call upon the grace of the cross daily. Whatever emotion, whatever offense, whatever we're going through, God, that we would access the power of the cross. And Father, we know that the more we acknowledge you, the more our life becomes a life of worship. Not just Sunday service worship, but daily worship unto you. Where we can recognize your goodness. And worship you for all that you are doing in our lives. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness for the ways we pay so much attention to what the enemy does. So much focus on even our flesh. But God, we thank you that by your grace, you're renewing our minds right now. And you're giving us the ability to pursue you like we've never pursued you before. And so Father, we just receive this grace not only here at our Hongda campus, but at all the campuses that are tuning into this message. We receive the grace to be able to see you every single day. We thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.